I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Second Day Podcast. I'm Zane C. Weber and with me today is... San Piaggio, hello. And today we are reviewing Reservoir Dogs. Written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, Randy Brooks, Kirk Boltz, Edward Bunker, Quentin Tarantino, Rich Turner, David Steen, Tony Cosmo, Steve Poiley, and that's as far as I'm going. Okay. Hi, Sam. Thanks for filling in for the guys who are either moving house or deathly ill. <laughs> so Sebastian did show up and then was like, I'm going to go throw up. And I was like, mm, you're going to go home and throw <laughs> up. And that's what you're going to do. So he's recorded a little bit. We'll put that at the end. But Sam, how are you? I'm good. Um, excited to talk about Reservoir Dogs. I hadn't hadn't actually watched it in a while. Um, I mean- why? Why not? Oh why? well, as I've discovered, since as I discovered, it's actually weirdly difficult to get a hold of. Um, <laughs> you did have a bit of trouble. I, right? I had a few problems. I had a. I called a lot of places, and they kept telling me. I think the closest, the closest I got was one place had a copy within the company that was in Tasmania, and Ooh, I was like, "It's a bit of a trek." No. <laughs> so you flew down and got it right, though. No, I. I <laughs> I, some people, I finally I reached out and find someone. Got, con, a friend of mine contacted me. He was like, "I I have a copy." I was like, "Thank you, thank you very much." <laughs> no trip to Tasmania for you. Are you a Tarantino fan? I am. Yes, uh, I very much have enjoyed. Is he your favorite director? Oh, I don't know if I'd say he's my favorite, but well, I, you're uninvited. You oh, can okay, get out goodbye. Uh, <laughs> Chair scrape noise. No, so I I will I will keep my position as chief Tarantino fan. Um, but I guess let's <laughs> let's get into it, shall we? Actually, no. You have somewhere that you can plug. You have a YouTube channel, correct? I do. Uh, I've uh, recently uh, started what I've been calling a Let's Voice series on a YouTube channel called Sammy P Productions. Links uh, in the show notes. Yeah. Um, it's basically, I mean, it's essentially a Let's Play of me where I'm, I'm playing. I'm currently playing, what am I playing? Pillars of Eternity 2, but with the the tagline being that it's mostly uh, an excuse for me to practice voice acting um, <laughs> and then utilizing that excuse to justify my time playing video games. So it's an excuse to both do funny voices and play video games. A little bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, need to justify that video game time somehow. Yeah, well, when your mother asks, so how, how, <laughs> how are you going? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, do you have any interesting trivia for Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs. I um I quite like um when I actually because I was I was chatting with with my friend when I was picking up the copy um and I was talking uh, we were talking about how some of Tarantino's titles are sort of can be a bit funny and he and he mentioned to me that um 
Reservoir Dogs wasn't going to be the original name, that it was actually, and it was the story about, I've actually now seen three versions of this, so I don't know which one's accurate, but basically he told me that um, Tarantino had wanted to call it Au Revoir Dogs, and then I've read that it's, it was either Tarantino like brutalizing the French pronunciation of a film <laughs> called like Au Revoir Les Infants or something like that, or it was him mishearing someone saying the title of Au Revoir. So essentially some, somewhere along the lines, he, he either misheard or mispronounced or misspelt Au Revoir yeah. and it became Reservoir. <laughs> okay. Um, and he kind of just ran with it and was just like, okay. So, well, <clears throat> my favorite, my favorite piece of trivia is that of course Tarantino opens up the movie himself talking about Madonna's Like a Virgin mm. and how it is not about a woman finally finding love and feeling like it's the first time. It's actually about a woman sleeping with someone with a giant penis. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've not been able to unhear that, I guess, <laughs> whenever I hear the song now. Yeah, well, Madonna Madonna has has gone on record saying, Dear Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> it's not about dick. Sincerely, Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> he gave. She actually gave him a signed copy of her next album, Erotica, with the note saying, uh, "I heard. Not- I heard about the note. I didn't realize it was with like a signed copy of the." It's <laughs> uh, fantastic. I love it. <laughs> so, um, on set, there was a paramedic uh, to monitor Tim Roth's blood amount, consistent amount for the oh, length of time that he has been there, uh, because. Watching the movie, like again, I was I forgot the detail of like just how big that po- that pool of blood is yeah. towards well, the end there. I guess another thing I heard is apparently because he was lying there for so long in some of the scenes because they do it in they do like these extended cuts. Yeah, yeah. That the the fake blood dried, and so that <laughs> it then would it would, he'd have to peel himself off the floor, which apparently would take minutes. For that him to must s- also be. Just a horror to get off your legs, yeah. Because if it's sticking you to the floor, it's, yeah, you you're you're going to be showering for a while. Ugh, gross. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so this film took thirty five days to shoot, yeah. which is relatively short, but for such a constrained movie, like it, that seems like a long time. Yeah, it's mostly done in in the one place mm, and, mm. and even a few of the scenes which you which don't look like they're in that warehouse are actually just redressing the warehouse yeah to sort of save yeah. time so it you could it's it's not like an, unre- an unreasonably crazy amount of time but it is still like you know just over a month of shoot time is yeah it's impressive like yeah i mean so if you've watched the movie there is a rather iconic torture scene um and this was apparently a really big fight between tarantino and his and the production company, which was run then by Harvey Weinstein, the Weinstein company, to keep it in. Weinstein thought that audiences wouldn't wouldn't allow it, wouldn't wouldn't go for it. But of course, yeah, Tarantino. Weinstein's won. morals were offended. You know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's like violence is not yeah. okay. Yeah, it's a very. Uh... <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, shall we? Shall we move? On to our first segment. Let's. Now, I haven't given you long to prepare. No. (laughs) But in our next segment, Movie Babies, which two movies or sometimes uh, like TV episodes or just like esoteric concepts would make sweet love and have a baby called Reservoir Dogs. 
if you would like, I'm happy to go first. <laughs> I'm basically I'm, what I'm what I'm trying to think of is I I kind of like I I want it to be like because obviously the the film is about a heist that's gone wrong mm. and we don't and you never even actually see the heist. So I kind of like I think it would be I'm trying to think of a film about a successful heist and then a film about a completely unrelated something going completely wrong. Ocean's Eleven, Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was I was thinking further back. Ocean's Eleven is actually fantastic. Yeah, so Ocean's Eleven was worked seamlessly, and and I guess I just like the idea of like the parents being slightly disappointed. Yeah, it's just like, oh, oh come on, come on, come on, kids. It's like I, I like that you're trying to do the family business, but you're just not very good at it. <laughs> what are you doing? See, I went, I went kind of tonally. Uh, and again, kind of these constrained feelings, a little bit of action, but also kind of like who did what, when, and trying to piece something oh, yeah, together. Yeah. So my first one was Die Hard, the original Die Hard. Yep. And the usual suspects. Oh, yes. Because they're all in okay. that office and then cutting away to see yep. who did what, okay, when, and telling the story. That's also a good one. Yeah. All right. So then the next one is Tweet Nopsies. You have to sum it up or just make a joke about it. Usually we just make a joke about it. <laughs> Um, come on, off the cuff, Sam. Well, not, off um, the cuff. Uh, <laughs> um, five new friends have the worst first day at work ever. <laughs> That's good. I like it. I like it. Uh, mine is uh, not as many dogs as I wanted. <laughs> um, hashtag like a virgin's not a bad dick. <laughs> yeah, good. All right, let's talk about. Let's talk about the movie. What did you like? Would or would you like to talk about what you liked and what you didn't like? Uh, let's. I think there's there's more that I liked than I like. There's not a lot that I didn't like, but there are like I guess criticisms, which I think most of them can be summed up with Tarantino wasn't as experienced making films at the mm. time, mm. and that there are just a few just sort of just exp- like the errors are mostly down to that. There's not a lot of yeah. like yeah. glaring problems that I thought were. Like everything else is quite solid, really. Well, he did some interesting things with editing that didn't really feel 100% necessary to me. Um, hmm. But then again, some of the other editing is really impactful. Yes. And again, there's a lot of iconic scenes like when they're slow motion walking in their suits. And it's like, okay, I guess that's that's where that came yeah. from. Well, it's kind of interesting because it's like, it's like one of those films where you if you watch it, if you didn't, if you watch it like now, if you if, if you were watching it for the first time and you had no real point of reference, someone just showed it to you, mm. you would almost have these points of like, well, I've seen all this before. Yeah, it's like I've seen this scene. I've the seen Simpsons did it. Yeah, it's, and stuff like, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, yes, but okay, this did it first. <laughs> this like, and to be fair, it, that's not entirely true because it was definitely inspired by a lot of stuff. I mean, a lot of Tarantino stuff is is because he's a massive film nerd and. Absolutely, on yeah. a lot of stuff, but a lot of but a lot of stuff is using that that we might have seen now is was inspired by. I, I think I think I was reading like it didn't do very well initially in America, but it did amazingly well in Britain. Yeah, and so a lot of like of the the British filmmakers of the time went on to be inspired by. Yeah, Resident kind of Black latched onto so that became a kind of a, a stylistic thing. So because yeah, so I think we'll start with um, start with positives. Start with positives. Um, I really love. And this is something that carries on through Tarantino stuff. It wasn't as President Jackie Brown as it was in this one, but the the switching up of the morality of the scene, how these 
bad guys have mm. their own spectrum of good to bad. Yeah. But then the cops are totally separate. The cops are just this other that like less than less than bugs that need just need to be squashed. Yeah. And I think that how they can care for each other and yet totally disregard the life of this cop is just amazing, an amazing narrative and, and character journey to, to actually go on. And we, we see that again moving forward in pretty much everything that Tarantino does, this play on morality of like how people have this sphere that they don't really care about what is, like uh, I guess, canonical good and bad. They care about how close people are to them and then the other. Well, it's also, yeah, it's, it, it- he, he definitely likes playing with that. But there's also, and there's also the whole thing of like, you know, the bad guy doesn't see themselves as the bad guy. Like, and I think there's bits in what in Reservoir Dogs where they refer to the police as the bad guy. Yeah. And it's yeah. that sort of, and, and I, I kind of like, and I feel like for some reason I thought there was a bit where someone else, that where someone was like, you know, where the, where the bad guys, but I don't think, <laughs> but I, and I don't know why I thought that. Cause it doesn't, that wouldn't be how Tarantino no, handles it because no. it's like they don't see themselves as the bad guy. They're like, you know, as you have, you know, Mr. Pink repeating, I'm a professional. Like yeah, this is yeah. my job and I'm going to do it well. Um, and then there's just these really irritating people who get yeah. in their way. You're talking like a first year thief. I'm like, yeah. what what's a second year thief? Like, is there a progression? <laughs> <laughs> Once you do um B and E one oh one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just free for all. Um I think the music is also really great in this and the framing device of the DJ and that kind of monotone DJ voice. I thought it was actually quite amusing watching it now, how similar it is to like um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Like it's the the same (laughs) music and in some ways like used very, in a very similar way. Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to put on a song for this situation and now I'm going to cut off your ear. There's, there's definitely like I think there's at least one song which is definitely used in both of those films. I was listening to it, like, oh, this is from this is used in Guardians of the Galaxy. I think anyway. stuck in the middle is stuck in the middle in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, no, it's the one. It's the one. Um, what's it called? Uh, it's like um, you know, I got I can't help this feeling. Oh, oh hooked on a feeling. Hooked on a feeling. Definitely hooked on a feeling is definitely on that. Yeah. So that that was like it, it comes up pretty early in the film, and I was like, oh, and then I sort of realized, yeah, they both riffing on the same era of music. Yeah, but. Yeah. It was. It's much obviously. It's much more separate for Guardians of the Galaxy than it is. Did for- Guardians make a canonical Reservoir Dogs reference? I I'm trying to remember if they did. Oh, I maybe I, in my I head. I do not know. Who knows? Who um, knows? Chris Pratt probably, probably does slowly in suits at some point. <laughs> but I think that that's also again like a that is a a Tarantino trope that we see again moving forward. Like he doesn't rely on score so much as actually pulling music tracks and and scoring that way. Well, he's definitely because he it was very important for him to have um I think I, I read, read somewhere where like a lot of the budget for music went entirely to stuck in the middle. Yeah. And everything else a lot of the other ones were more based on like um record deals, like you get to be part of the record and that so they did for a lot less, but but stuck in the middle was the big one and he and he, he was basically I think he's he was he's saying at one point uh, that he didn't care if there was like no other music in the film, so long as they had stuck in the middle for yeah. that scene. Well, speaking of budget, like um, that Cadillac that was owned by one of the actors because they didn't have budget for another car. Um, the makeup was done by oh, what's his name? Kurtzman, Robert Kurtzman. 
um, on the condition that Tarantino then write the script for From Dusk Till Dawn. Right, yeah. So that was yes. kind of a contra deal <laughs> that they did. So Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff like that. I think like um I think Harvey Harvey Cartel's suit is his is just his suit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think like uh, was it Steve Ashemi was wearing jeans the whole time and it's just a pair of black jeans that he owned. Um <laughs> and yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff where and we, and it's it, like they had it's the thing about film where it's like they still had like a one and a half million dollar budget or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's like, but for film, that's tiny. Yeah. Well, and then 35 days. Yeah. So you, have to, you have to like he's like, we can't yeah. afford. Well, it's like because there's stuff where like uh, in all the car scenes, they could they didn't have the budget to get police to close the road. Yeah. So there's stuff where he's like peeling off. They had to wait for the green light so he could <laughs> he could do the scene and still but still um follow road rules. Um but he was initially going to do the film for like $30,000 or something. It yeah, was him yeah. and the, um, what's his name? Um, Lawrence. Oh, the, the, the guy he works, the producer he works with. A lot uh, now. Yeah. I, I'm blanking, I'm blanking on him as well. well. But they were, it was, his, it was those two were going to make it with a bunch of mates and then just happened to be that Harvey Keitel called, they called him up and left a message on his answering scene being like, I would like to be your co-producer. And then suddenly I said, but I also want to be in the film. And he's like, yes. <laughs> Um, although oh, I was reading, I was reading something like looking at the, apparently they, cause they were trying to get producers. Yes. Get the yeah. money. And apparently there was a bunch of stuff like before then there were people offering them quite a lot of money or well, similar amounts of money, but they all had conditions. Yeah. And I think, I think the two I saw were one was like, I think it was like they were offering them like a one and a half million, but they had to like change the ending so that it was all like pretend or something. It was all like, a dream. Well, it was like it was something like it was like it was like haha. It was actually a hoax or something. And you're just like, how? How does that? <laughs> how does it even work? It was all just an elaborate game for one like, of their birthdays. But apparently, one of them was like they got an offer for like it was like five hundred thousand dollars, but on the condition that the producer's girlfriend got to play Mister Blonde. <laughs> and it was just like, and apparently, there it was just such a bizarre like how like trying to figure out how that would. Work, work for that character they were they were sort of like we might actually do that like that's that's, <laughs> that's, an interesting that's crazy twist. En- that's crazy enough to work <laughs> <laughs> it's just like i just i just love this idea the producer's like yeah but you have to make it i just like the idea of it being a dream at the end i was like it's, it's so dumb <laughs> why would you do that and i mean like this this was tarantino's directorial debut so yes. so we we reviewed the, the movies well out of chronological order but it was voted the second greatest directorial debut of all time. Yes. After <laughs> Citizen Kane. So she's like, all right, fair. Um, and I would be interested to see in, well, let's say 60 years time, how well Reservoir Dogs holds up compared to how well Citizen Kane holds up to now. Like Citizen Kane holds up pretty well. I feel, yeah, I feel like the thing about Citizen Kane is it's like it's it's it is amazing. It's kind of dull as well. <laughs> it's not, again, but it's kind of a reflection of yeah. of that time. And it's, like Reservoir Dogs, like it spawns so many tropes yeah. that, that we've seen come forward through yeah. cinema again. It's, it's it's sort of like like I've I've seen I went went and watched Citizen Kane partly because it's like it's Citizen Kane. Should probably go see this at some point. Yeah, but I have no, I have no real inclination to go see it again. Whereas I will watch, I'll, I'll watch Reservoir Dogs today, even though I've, I've watched it in prep for this. Like I'll watch it again. Let's. You know. Oh, always. So that may say more about me than the film, though. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but 
I mean, who's your favorite character in the movie? You're a Mr. Orange fan, Mr. Pink fan. And I I kind of, I think I kind of like, I like Mr. Pink, partly because he's just this sort of like, Everyone else is varying degrees of crazy. Like, I'm not even meant to be here. Yeah, man. he's just like, I shouldn't be here. I just want to go home. I just plea. And he's just this sort of put out. Yeah. Whereas everyone else has got something going. Um, you know, obviously, like Mr. Blonde is just crazy. Although apparently there, there was a there was an interview, and I, I tried to find it. I couldn't find the the interview itself, but there was like a, a psychiatrist talking about films, and they he basically said that um, comparing Mr. White to Mr. Blonde. Is a very is an excellent example of the difference between a psychopath and a and sociopath. A sociopath. Yeah. Whereas Mr. White is a sociopath because he he has rules. He he is more than willing to use violence, and he will use a lot of violence should he need to. But he doesn't want to, and he yeah. would rather not. Yeah. And then there's the, you know, the 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 psychopath who just wants who just to. wants. He's like I I'm going to torture you not because <laughs> I care if you give me an answer. In fact, I don't. I'm going to cover your mouth yeah. so you specifically can't give me an answer <laughs> but I am going to cut on you because that's just how I have fun yeah and just like see that's kind of why I like Mr. Blonde as a character because it's he's like that he's one end of that spectrum that the bad guys in inverted yeah. commas are on and he is intimidating even to them without overtly violence and then he just switches it off and it's yeah. like oh I bet you're a oh, what, 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 I bet you're a whatever fan. And he's like, yeah. And then, oh, my heart's beating so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just it's, like, it's like it's, it's fun like, for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, again, Mr. Pink is is probably the easy pick because he's kind of he's kind of the straight man to everyone else yeah. going crazy around him. Mm. It's like, what what do we do? We there 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 are rules that have been broken. We need to figure out. Yeah, I'm not a fan of uh, <sighs> Mr. Brown. I've never been a fan of Mr. Brown. Um, I think we don't talk about Mr. Blue enough. <laughs> well, that, they only put that famous diner scene in so that Mr. Blue could have some lines because he didn't have lines well, elsewise. He's, he, the, the actor, um, I think it's Edward Bunker. Uh, Bunker, or, Bunker, um, yeah. Is a, he was a career criminal. Huh. He was, like, when he was younger. Oh, right. So he, like, but, like, when he was younger, he actually, he was, like, the youngest person to ever be sent to um the prison they mentioned um oh what is it called um damn san san something san still, quentin san quentin i think i think it was something like he was the youngest person to go to san quentin he was on the fbi 10 most wanted list at one huh. point and after he but after he did his time he got work teaching actors how to be criminals. how to be criminals and so he's, right. he'd work yeah. with a whole bunch of people like he's taught like i think it was like al pacino he, he coached and he did all this other stuff awesome but apparently he'd also with um what's his like Lawrence um uh Chani, I think is how Tini, yeah. Tini, um, who who is as far as I can tell, a kind of a scary individual. <laughs> uh on and off set. But he was but apparently um Bunker was like, Yeah, we got into a fight like years before we did this film. Like we had a we had a punch up <laughs> in like the parking lot of a of a of a bar and Tini was just like, I don't remember that. No. But I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I punched a lot of people in parking lots. Oh, good, good. Like, well, yeah, I guess good. I, that, that that adds flavor to the movie. Like, yeah, he's this, this, this like he was, he, and apparently there's an interview where he was like, if in real life he would never have done a job like this. He's just like if he if, he, right, if someone yeah. had come to him in his criminal days and said, "Do you want to do a job with four other guys that you don't know?" Yeah, he would have said yeah. no, no. Well, I can't imagine it would be a very appealing 
a, a appealing concept of of like you know nothing about the job. You're just told what yeah. you have to do when. Because like we've we've seen in the Dark Knight that that does not go well for anyone except the guy organizing it. Yeah. To be fair, uh, to be fair, I kind of think it it kind of makes sense in the fiction, given that it's apparently a lot of money. So it's like, and if like you 100 percent trust that, the guy organizing, and then it. that yeah, and that um, what's his name, the character. I keep thinking of him as Lawrence. Um, uh, Joe. Joe. Right. Joe Cabo. Um, Joe is clearly like a big player. Yeah. And so if like, you know, like um, it's probably the thing where it's like Joe's word means a lot. So when Joe says it's okay, you're like, all right. Yeah. And it's a lot of money. You go, okay. I guess it's kind of, it's kind of like Danny Ocean. Yeah. But saying. it's sort of things like, it's like <laughs> that kind of like combination probably doesn't happen as often outside of movies. Mm, maybe I need to become Joe. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, is that all the good? Like, I mean, probably not. There's probably. Um, I mean, all the, like, again, all the performances are solid to great for me. Yeah. Like Steve re- Buscemi, like, I keep being surprised at how versatile he is because he has such a, a unique look that you want to always want to put him in the, kind of the weasel character. Yeah. But then he takes these steps out, like in Boardwalk Empire or mm. in Wes of Wild Dogs, and you see him that he's, Totally so capable, he's of, capable yeah. of doing a lot more, and you're like, "Oh, right, yes, I oh, <laughs> actor, good, yeah, <laughs> mm, of course." Um, it's interesting because, like, particularly when he got Harvey, um, when he got Harvey Cartel in it, it's this film where he was going to do it with his mates for almost nothing. Yes, yeah, but he got, he suddenly was in a position where he was turning down great actors. Like, there's a like the list <laughs> That's of the dream, like the list of people that like he he got to say no to. Is, yeah, is awesome. It just is in in itself is impressive. I think it was like. Like I think he was in talks with like George Clooney and there's other people, other people to be in this role, and they all just like he's like, in fact, for whatever reason, they end up not doing it. He, yeah, he said yeah. no, or they he had someone better for the role. And um, but speaking of like Steve Buscemi, like apparently, because because obviously um, Tarantino plays Mr. Brown, but mm. Tarantino wanted to play Mr. Pink. He wrote Mr. Pink for himself, and he was and and was yeah. like and just like was telling people at the audition is like, if you want to play Mr. Pink, like that's my character. So unless you so are play it like you, me, like well, it's like no, it's like it's like unless you are amazing, yeah. There's no way I'm giving you that character. And Steve Buscemi was like, okay, game and, on, and then Tarantino, yeah, as we can see, because <laughs> I mean, I love his work, but Tarantino is not a great actor. No, in any movie, like the closest he comes to selling a, a role for me is in a movie that we'll that we'll review in a few months I think is death proof and I think just because it's kind of the closest to him kind of like a bar fly selling selling just enjoying a bar time mm. yeah but uh ugh. like he's never he's never like you know cringingly bad but mm, sort of like I don't I it's I, just, I, I, uh, to, you <laughs> listen to the Django episode I've got some words for the uh, Tarantino in that uh, one like I I I admit I'm not I'm not analyzing all his performance in one in but he's, I he does an Australian accent, Sam. Oh God, I forgot about that. All right, okay. <laughs> Maybe there's a few, but I, my my point was I was going to be it's like there's a few of them which I think would become if they were not bit parts that they're for like a scene. If he, yeah. If he was playing yeah. something for a extended period, it's like he probably would get grating. Yes. Um. Yeah. You know, but he he's not terrible in that sense of he can just turn up, do a few bits. Oh yeah, inserting himself into the movie, I'm totally fine with. Like there, there are directors that have done that before, and I think his taste 
is is refined enough or his style is strong enough to kind of incorporate that in in a like you said a non-grating way mm. um so yeah i think i don't have many critiques of this film because anything that like anything to do with the style or like the camera work like some of the 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 choreography with the camera was a little bit off but again that kind of ties into the overall tone of the movie mm. for me, or at least that might just be me watching it with rose-coloured glasses now. Well, it's like like I said earlier, like because of this is his first directing, um, is his directing debut. There's a lot of stuff in it which became like his trademarks. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. things in Reservoir Dogs that, as he progressed, were things that he would do over and over again, and he clearly got better at. Better yes, at them. yeah. Um, so this is like the first time he's trying a few of those things and sometimes it doesn't land as neatly as it does in his later films, but it's like it's the first time he's doing it. So, yeah, yeah all right. Um, I mean, something you can definitely see him building on is the tension in the scene and I think he starts off so high with the stakes are so high in this movie that he doesn't have far to go, whereas when we talk about well, well, what we will next week, Inglorious Bastards. Mm. He has that down to such a fine art of like keeping the audience watching the screen, anticipating where the characters are going to go before they get there. Whereas in this movie, you can see how he's trying to do that, especially yeah. when he introduces Mister Blonde um, back into the into the scene, um, trying to figure out who knows what and what the actual stakes are. But it's never quite. It doesn't grip me as much as he does in later movies. Well, so that's think, again comparing Tarantino to Tarantino. Yeah, I think there's definitely like I like one of my like when we get to it, my my there'll be one of my main complaints will be something that I feel like he got better at as he. As well, let's do it now. Well, I guess, okay. Well, I guess my my big complaint, and I, I looked into this to see if there was like if anyone had question him because the bit at the very end so i don't know spoilers if you're no, spoil away for whatever reason you listen to this podcast we spo- we spoil all movies yeah so it turns out that uh mr orange is the cop mm. um and there's, there is some foreshadowing i guess to that but at the very end um when joe comes finally comes in which is what what the cops are waiting for and he joe's like it's definitely mr orange and i know this because of, of instinct and mr white just says no. You're you're definitely wrong, and yeah. I will. I I I. He, he's so con, um. He stands by his convictions to the point where he actually they pull guns on each other. There's a whole standoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's and he's like, I will. If you shoot him, I will shoot you. Um, which he does. They yep. all shoot each other. Um, there's there's up there's a which bit is of, again another trope that has been moved throughout yeah. cinema. And there's and there's some funny things where like the squibs didn't work quite right, so. It does look a little weird. Um, it ha- like it happens very briefly, but there's, and I actually, actually have to go back and watch it because there's a bit where it's like, because there's the uh, the, the son, uh, what's his name, a uh, nice guy Eddie. Yeah, was like, wait, how did he get shot? And you sort of go back and you're like, okay, he does like shoot and then like Mr. White shoots and then moves to shoot the other one, but the squibs aren't timed correctly. correctly yeah, and so the squib had gone off and the guy had started falling before the gun had come round. <laughs> um, apparently it led to people believing that like. There was a there was like a fourth there shooter. Was a fourth like, maybe it was Mr. Pink and it was maybe, but it's actually just like, no, nah, the squib went off. 
Um, which is interesting because there's a lot of stuff where, like, when you question Tarantino, he's just like, well, what did you think? Which is what I, one of the Why don't you come up with a fan theory that yeah, I can which, then adopt I'm, as canon? I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, letting the audience come up with their own justification or, like, reason because it's often more powerful for that yeah. individual than it's going to be if you just tell them what you wanted. Well, especially when you get to things like, Oh, like we we've spoken about Pulp Fiction and the suitcase is like yeah, it's never, yeah. it never tells you because it's it's more important. It's, much, it's yeah. more fun for people to speculate yeah, and exactly. come up with these ties. Um, but and the question, like when I was looking into this, the thing which, which irritated me is a, sort of like this idea of um, and it's a it's a concept within like like film and theater and whatnot that was described to me as like earning earning the scene yeah yeah where like you have to do the groundwork for, so you can, like some stuff just can't just happen it's like you have to have done something to earn that thing happening and so the question apparently that tarantino gets a lot is why did mr orange tell mr white that he's a cop and weirdly given that um tarantino often says what did why do you think he actually goes on a and i haven't seen the interview so i might be misreading it it does seem a little <laughs> wanky um, basically this thing that's, you know, it's, it goes on about the, it's a Japanese term that I want to, I think it's, I, 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 if I'm mispronouncing this, I apologize. I think it's Jinga. It's like J-I-N-G-A in the, when you, you know, Englishize it, I guess. So I'm assuming it's, yeah. I assume it's, um, it's Jinga, which is, uh, it's not, doesn't directly translate into English, but it's essentially, it's similar to honor, but it's kind of like a mix of like honor. It's a mix of like something that you need to do as a man kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And it's a whole, this whole thing of like, and so he, he basically says, and it's where, where I think it gets a bit wanky, which is like, if you ask me the question, why does Mr. Orange tell Mr. White, then you haven't understood the film. Yeah. And I was like, that's a bit harsh. Essentially, but, but essentially <laughs> the idea is Mr. Orange just saw Mr. White stand up to his friends, these people he's worked with for years and to say, I will shoot you dead if you accuse this guy of being a cop. And he's like, but I am a cop. And then he allows Mr. White to do whatever with that information yeah. As yeah. he will, which we assume Mr. Orange gets shot, despite when I watched it, I actually went back and watched it like three times because the sound is just weird. The sounds, it, it sounds like a distant gunshot and the movement doesn't look how I would, with my very limited understanding of firearms, <laughs> how I expect <laughs> you would move if you pulled a trigger, if you pulled the, shot them the way he was holding it. It's yeah. Just like, yeah. It's, it's always like, I actually had to watch a couple of times to just be sure that they are, they are suggesting that Mr. Orange just got shot. And I think that's what they're doing. But I don't have a problem with Mr. Orange telling Mr. White that he's a cop. Yeah. Because I do think that you earned that moment. Yeah, I absolutely. think that with Mr. White standing up to Joe and nice guy Eddie, you earned Mr. Orange telling Mr. White that he's a cop. What I have a problem with is I don't think he earned Mr. White standing up to Joe and nice guy Eddie. Yeah. There's a lot, there are scenes where you can see them bonding. There's like one scene where he, they, he's basically quizzing him on the, on the heist. And then he's like, let's go get tacos or something. Yeah. So I, I definitely buy them being friends. I definitely buy them Mr. White worrying about Mr. Orange and putting himself on the line to get to get him medical attention yeah. instead of just dumping him at a hospital like he could have. That all I'm completely fine with. But I, I never bought that it got to the extent that he would stand up to Joe. Yeah. See, I read it in that he'd taken this stance against Mr. Pink and then he was forced to take that stance against Mr. Blonde, and so he just kind of got into this habit of like, no, I've I've put my I've drawn my line in the sand. This kind of like, I guess, machismo sort of thing, and like I'm 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 defending this. Like I'm not even thinking about it anymore. 
Yeah, that's 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 definitely fair. I, I don't know. I just don't get. I guess I don't think that Mr. Again, White. I, and that's just my interpretation. Yeah, I don't. As get, well. I don't feel like Mr. White would have that. And specifically against Joe, like against Mr. Pink, yeah, against correct. Mr. Blonde, definitely. But when it comes to Joe, because Joe is this guy, they're, they're friends, they go back a long time, and Joe is like they doesn't have Joe doesn't have evidence yeah. that, but he does have a, a. It's like his argument isn't bad. Yes, he's like in this you have to you, in this life they live. I assume you need to trust people. He knows he can trust four of those people. He's a hundred percent sure about four of those people because and that one person we know we know he knows Vic. We know he knows who's Mister Blonde. We know he knows. Uh, Mr. White, and then we can, you know, you know, extrapolate to assume that Mr. Brown and Mr. Blue have a similar yeah. connection. Yep. So that Mr. Orange is the only one, and that's, that's not has that's a not that's not a hundred. That's not going to be because it's like, you know, that's not a, a solid case. But at the same time, it's like they're in a pretty precarious situation. And Absolutely. Like going with the guy that the guy who organizes it has a yeah. Good overview. And I think I think that is that is the problem is that. They do have, they do show Mr. White kind of getting amped up and then coming back down. Yeah. I think if he stayed up, exactly, that's, then that would have like made it. If you, if you sort more, of like, if he, if he was like, yes, yeah, you said, if he, if he, if that tension didn't ever drop, if it yeah. was constantly building just for Mr. White, that sort of thing. If he yeah. had to like really stand firm on this, and it just got to the point where he was frustrated, angry, and he yeah. pulls the gun in that heated moment, or if we'd seen some stuff. Yeah, something something beforehand where, kind of. Which to really, because the other thing, like there's a bit where he says that Mr. Orange got shot and it's his fault. And then you actually see him get shot and it's got nothing, it's like no. it's not at all his fault. Like no. it's like, it was a weird, it was like a, it was, a, you know, unforeseen the, Who thing. could tell like, that the woman yeah, would have this, a gun? this lady just happened to have a gun. And it, like, it's not like, I, when I first, when I was watching it and you hear that thing, I thought like Mr. Orange had like, gotten in the way of, of, of a shot or yeah, like, yeah. like hey, maybe not on purpose, but it like to Mr. White, it seemed like he took a bullet for him. And yeah. like, at that point you're like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's not a cop. He like, he took a bullet for me. But then you watch the scene. It's like, no, he's, just got, random. Ra- he's got randomly shot. Yeah. What, you, I don't. Yeah. And so and it's just, it's like a small thing. And it's like, I just feel like he could have done like a couple of little things and it mm. would have been fine. And like I said, it's stuff that we, we mentioned in glorious bastards where you watch that and there isn't that problem. No. I don't. I think most, pretty much every step, like he's kind of earned those those moments. These big yeah, moments. absolutely. And but, then, so that is what gets better. And in, yeah, and in this in this first one, it's just like it just was close, but not quite in that in that moment. All right. Well, shall we? Uh, final judgment. Yeah. Would you give this movie a second take? Yes. I'd, okay. As I said before, <laughs> I'd watch it. I'd watch it again. I hadn't watched it in a while, and having watched it just like yesterday, I'd, I'd watch it again. Very quick. Very as soon. as with all of Tarantino stuff, Reservoir Dogs is one that is constantly like one of my favorite of his. It kind of moves up and down the list. But as soon as I watch it again, I'm like, I remember why I like this, yeah. and like this is like, like it is. never fails to get me in. Um, so it, it's an, it's an obvious yes from me. Like all of Tarantino stuff is my favorite. Just it's in a category by itself. Um, so yes from me. Now our final segment. Sam, is we have to, is what we do is we take a character from Reservoir Dogs and pit them against a character from the other movies that we've done and just who would win? Who would win and why? So uh, because you're the guest, okay, I'm going to let you pick a character. Now, I will say they are going up against, let me just find his name, Ordell Robbie from Jackie Brown. Do you Ooh, know you? That's Samuel been- Jackson. 
oh, the right. kind of crazy Samuel L. Jackson yeah. with the the gun trader and uh, the big bad. And and you can pick any character and tell me why they would defeat. I mean, I'm going to say Ordell Ordell um, beat Ant Man because he was more willing to shoot first, whereas Ant Man would try and out trick him and try to get away and maybe drop something on him or something. Whereas Ordell would pretty much just either stomp him flat or or shoot first. Initially, I thought Mr. White. Because he was, he's the most, I feel most like thorough. Like, mm-hmm. and he and he he has shown that if when it comes down to it, when he's like, well, it has to be violence, then he goes all in. Has to be violence. Um, but I think if it, but I think it, the it wouldn't he wouldn't win. I think Mr. White would kind of tie. I think they both they just both die. Yeah, yeah. I think if we want to win, it needs to be Mr. Blonde because Mr. Blonde, Mr. White would would once he goes to violence, he would go all in. But he would. There's a couple of steps before he goes to violence. Yeah, where Mr. Yeah. White would just be like, "Right, we're doing <laughs> this Mr. Blonde, now." You mean. Sorry, Mr. Blonde. <laughs> Mr. Blonde would just jump to it immediately. <laughs> and I think you need you need. It's basically who's going to be first, right? And yeah, this, these two crazy people. Going basically, up it's two crazy people. They're, they're very they're very very capable, very quick to go to violence. It just needs to be who is quicker. Mm. And I think out of Reservoir Dogs, uh, Mr. Blonde has the best chance of being just a bit quicker, just because he's so immediate to that mm. and so willing to just hurt people. Yeah, see. I think I think you've got it right. I think Blonde would win and I and not I think they're both willing to jump to violence quicker, but I think Mr. Blonde has the has the kind of like you need to die fast. Yeah. So knife to the eye. Yeah. Whereas I think Ordell would just kind of spray the room with an AK forty seven hoping that he hit like- you. So I think because Mr. Blonde is probably more intelligent about how he would approach the situation, yeah, he would beat Ordell. Yeah. All right. So we have Mr. Blonde now as our new carryover <laughs> champion. <Ooh. laughs> um. So next week we'll go up against someone from Inglorious Bastards. So <laughs> tune in for that. Um. I'm going to insert into here a little bit of uh Seb's. Seb's review of the movie. Uh, he's done a mini review. It's only two minutes long. Uh, but before we do that, Sam, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, now, Sammy P Productions yes. is your YouTube channel. Go check him out there. Uh, links will be in the show notes and we'll share it on our Facebook and Twitter, etc. And I guess we'll see you again next week for Inglorious Bastards. Looking forward to it. Excellent. Thank you. And we'll see you then. Okay, so it'd be sick. So let's be quick. Movie babies. Oh, I got to start off with my quote. Like, Oh my God. Okay, so what's your quote? Why am I Mr. Pink? Because I thought that was the funny one. It's because you're the girliest. That's fair. Purple's my favorite color. So like it's close. But he said that's actually- and There is no Mr. Purple. Yeah, there isn't. There's a Mr. Pink and that's, mm. yeah. Anyway, movie babies. It's weird that there's a Mr. Blonde, you know, let's, we'll get over it. Yeah, that is. Anyway, it's fine. Um, Movie babies. I had- one specific episode from the TV series Community. So it's season two, episode eight. We actually watched it the other day together, Zane. Cooperative Calligraphy. Oh, it's yeah. the one where um, the bottle episode. Yeah, bottle episode. Annie can't find her pen, and everyone gets interrogated by each other to work out who the pen thief is. Yeah, right. And the last twenty minutes of The Departed, in which everyone <laughs> is just being shot. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Sure. And oh gosh, what's next? 
my useless piece of trivia is there was no Mr. Red. Yeah, great. Okay, yep, so cool. what's your what's your tweet synopsis? Um, you can't trust anyone. Criminals, cops, anyone. Even nice guy Eddie. Well, maybe nice guy Eddie. <laughs> uh, good. And <laughs> your finally recommendation. Oh, I was going to just talk about... Okay, movie. we'll talk about it. I like this movie. This is what I wanted Jackie Brown to be. Like that tense, you don't know where the next shot's going to come from sort of thing. And this movie is all of that. So just from my, re- if you've heard our review Jackie of Jackie Brown's Brown. like that without guns. But I never felt that. Like, in my, yeah. So if you've heard our review of Jackie Brown, this is the opposite of my feelings of that film. That This is just all intense all the time. And I love it. And I actually wish this film went a little bit longer, which is a weird thing for me to say. So it gets a really high recommend from me. And I'm going to go kill into a ball and die now. Okay, good. Thank you. Bye. I'm alive. Okay, thank you for listening, everyone. So if you want to get in contact with us, there are a number of ways to do it. You can go to our website, which is secondtakepodcast.com. Or you can email us, because we have one of those things. We are secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And always we've got Facebook, you know, Facebook slash secondtake. Is that right? Sure. Yeah, Yeah, sure, that one. Or Second Take Podcast, you, you find it. Yeah. And Twitter, at Second Take TNC. Or we we have an Instagram, funnily enough. Sometimes we post video. No, well, actually, we have no videos. No videos of pictures, yet. though, that are funny. There was, there was a quite a smart tweed jacket on there the other day. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, I got bored. Um, <laughs> really? Also, um, if you guys want to support the show, we also have a link to our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash second take. Um, this is a, a, a big variety of ways that you guys can give to us. It starts as little as $1 per month, which is 12 bucks a year. And it's it's pretty, pretty low and pretty simple. But we've also got sort of a group goal going at the moment there. So once we hit our first target, which is collectively uh, $50 a month, we're going to release uh, all of our reviews of the Monty Python film series. Ah, and then yes. the idea is ongoing from there for every little milestone we hit, we're going to do extra series for everyone. So sort of a... So please go on and sponsor us so that we can review the Monty Pythons because I can't watch them until then. It's true. We're not allowed to watch any movies unless we're reviewing them. (laughs) And And yeah, (laughs) if you want to have a listen to any of the other podcasts that any of us are on, um, go to thatsnotkindofproductions.com, which is the mothership for all of of our other podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. In one of them, I'm a wizard. It's pretty good. Yeah. And I get to torture that wizard. It's even better. (sighs) And maybe just one day... There'll be solo podcasts that we do. That solo you can find podcasts, there. yeah, where we just talk at ourselves. Yeah, yep. The good. best kind of Fun. podcast, no interruptions, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> none of none of this over talking of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I do like to think fans will literally pause just to be like, "That's that's not true. <laughs> that's not how that works." Just because it's you in the room by yourself, Seb, doesn't mean you're incorrect. Anyway, it's fine. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, thanks very much for listening. And go do all the things on social media. Hooray. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.